Welcome to Sober Sisters Talk. I'm MG. And I'm Elizabeth Pudwell. Welcome. The speaker series happens once a month. This will be part of our weekly Zoom meeting that happens every Friday night. If you would like to be a part of that meeting, you have to be female. And send us an email at SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. If you would like to tell your story, please reach out to SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com. We want to have more stories out there in order to help other women. And here's our next speaker. Thanks for listening. Also, we'd love to invite you to a Zoom meeting this Friday night at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. If you're interested, email SoberSistersTalk at gmail.com and we'll send you the meeting information and password. We hope to see you this Friday. Thank you, Elizabeth. Um, <clears throat> I'm a sex and love addict, and yes, I am extremely nervous. Um, I feel like my heart's going to pound out of my chest. Um, that's nothing unusual for me. Um, I get nervous. Um, I'm not comfortable with sharing. So, um, and uh, it's been two months since Elizabeth asked me. So, <clears throat> I feel like I've had plenty of time to think about this, but I've also had plenty of time to go back um, and look at what happened and um, have emotion come up around all that. So, um, I'm going to actually start uh, a little different. Um, I'm going to start when I came into this program and why I came in. Um, so I've been in this program coming July, 13 years. Um, I came in um, kind of at the end of my marriage. Um, I had a, uh, my husband um, had a friend that I got extremely addicted to. Um, and at the time my husband had, I knew he had had affairs and I had had been okay with it for a long time. And all of a sudden it was like, it was not okay anymore. But the uh, obsession I had with this person is something that uh, when I look back at it, it um, I feel like there's no way that could have been me, but it was. I've uh, been married 30 years and um, this person that came into our lives um, was telling me all the things that I wanted to hear that my husband never told me. Uh, he actually even told me that he didn't understand that I was with my husband this long for as rude as he was. So I had a got a therapist at the time and um, she suggested I come to SLAA and to uh, first go to women's meetings um, so that the hole that I had that I needed to be filled was done by women and not by men because I would get really um, addicted to uh, the things that men told me. Um, so coming into the program, my thought was, um, you know, I'm going to be here for a while. I hear people working on the steps and, you know, so, and that's, so, you know, a couple of years, maybe three years. Um, well, little did I know at the time that um, coming into the program opened up 
a totally different um, way of me uh, seeing who I am and why I am the way I am and what happened that caused me to be this way. So, um, oh, got emotional here. I, um, hmm. you know, I, I never think about that the emotion's going to come up as fast as they do, um, but they do, and I'm actually okay with it. Um, I haven't always been okay with it. So, uh, my parents divorced when I was six years old. And um, when I was eight, my, and I have to say this, I did not grow up here in the United States. I grew up in Sweden. And we had family that lived here in the United States, and that's why I'm here today. Um, but when I was eight years old, uh, my mother made the decision to go to the United States and take my sister with me. She's four years younger than me, and she left me with my grandmother. I have a, had a lovely grandmother. She loved me. I was her first grandchild and she adored me. Um, but I have a wound from that. And, you know, I think about the things that have affected me in my life. And I think mine are not as bad as I hear a lot of people talk about. And I guess I'm grateful for that. Um, what I sometimes don't understand is the impact that it has had on me, even if it's some people might say, oh, that's not very much. But when you're talking about an eight-year-old child having her mother and sister leave, and my father was um, not very, not very, he was very absent in my life. Um, what comes up is, um, and of course, I didn't know that, that the eight-year-old I don't remember my mother leaving. I just remember being extremely sad all the time. So I have abandonment issues that um, for that reason are pretty deep. Um, she went, I lived in Sweden. She went all the way to the United States. It's not like she'd lived in the next town over. Um, let's see. During that time, um, Um, like I said, I don't remember my mother leaving and I know that I cried a lot and I know being a grandmother myself, I know that when my grandchildren are upset, it upsets me and I'm trying, I will try to help them. Well, my grandmother thought she did a really great thing. Uh, and I think some of you all have heard about that, especially Elizabeth that's been with me for so long. Um, she decided that uh, I couldn't cry anymore and that she would put my tears on a shelf and when the shelf was full I was going to stop crying and so she would literally take my tears off my cheeks with her finger and hang it on the shelf well little did she know that what she did to me was tell me I couldn't have my feelings so um, you know I'm looking at all of that uh, today. During that time, too, um, I was put into a school. Actually, I came to the United States and was here for a year and a half. 
and had to come back home because I just didn't do well. I didn't speak the language. And so when I came back again to live with my grandmother, um, I was um, put into a school that's a special school. And because I didn't have the year and a half of education in Sweden, I wasn't allowed to stay in the school. And uh, the principal actually came in in the middle of of the class and removed me from the school. So um, the message, and I've had a lot of work around this, the message that gives a child is that she's not smart enough. So that's another wound. It's what I call them that I have. Um, And it's not, you know, I've to this day struggle with it at times that I am not smart enough. so um, during the time when we, when I lived in um, New York with my mother for the year and a half, um, she had a boyfriend that molested me. Um, and um, what that has brought up is that my mother didn't take care of me properly and I wasn't safe uh, around anybody. Um, I am also, um, I'm trying to think where I am. Um, yeah, and right after that time that that happened, that's when I actually went back to, to Sweden uh, and stayed with my grandmother. Um, when I was probably around 15, um, I started um, to be sexual. And um, I had a hard, I have a hard time saying no, even to this day say no during those times when somebody wanted to be sexual with me, even if I didn't want to, was very hard for me to say. So there were times where I probably was sexual several people in one night. Um, I think low self-esteem has a lot to do with that. Um, I've felt outside you know, because I had traveled and moved so much, I never felt like I belonged anywhere. So I always felt like I was on the outside of a group, uh, alone and uh, hard time to connecting. So I believe that my way of connecting was to be sexual with somebody. Then I, I think I would be loved or I thought that I would be loved and liked and cared for. Um, which today, what I've seen, that is really not um, a good way of doing it. Um, So um, when I, um, finally we actually, so I acted out for several years with lots of men um, and um, I got pregnant um, and had an abortion um, right before we came back here to the United States. Um, You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, um, you know, if I ever regretted having that abortion. Um, And I can truly say that I had never regretted it. Um, The time was wrong. I was, had uh, applied to immigrate to the United States. 
And I probably wouldn't have the two wonderful children I have today if I had not had that abortion. So when I came here to the States, uh, I met my, um, my ex-husband um, uh, at, um, like after I had been here six months. And uh, like I said, we had two children together. Um, I didn't realize that during the time um, when we were married, and like I said, he had affairs. Um, I never did have an affair. That doesn't mean that I didn't at times were in fantasy about wanting to have an affair with somebody else than my husband. Um, I've also realized that um, many times when I didn't want to be sexual with my husband, he forced me. And today I do know that that rape, even if it is in a marriage, um, you know, I've thought about that a lot. And um, again, I think it's that same thing about wanting to be loved and doing whatever it takes. Um, at least that's how I, I, I believe that I looked at it at the time. So after 30 years, um, you know, coming into this program, uh, what really helped me um, tremendously was um, just listening to people talking. Um, I could identify with what they were going through. Um, I was not alone. Um, you know, uh, we did fellowship. I did fellowship with several groups after uh, the meeting was over. Uh, you know, I got new friends. Um, I think one of the things, too, that I like to highlight that happened to me is that when I had this obsession with this man, um, I totally neglected uh, my family and my friends. Um, and um, I neglected myself in the way that I didn't eat properly. So I lost a lot of weight. Um, I still worked, uh, um, you know, and I, I so I was okay with work and things like that. Um, so anyway, uh, being in a fellowship um, and being able to reach out to people in the fellowship, uh, talking to them about what's going on with me. Um, you know, many times they talked me off the cliff, uh, you know, when I didn't know what to do. Um, during that time too, I took up some new hobbies. Um, I um, I finally found uh, the God of my understanding, um, which took me a long time. Um, and saying that, um, my mother always told me that God's doors always open for me. And I do know that she probably didn't talk about the God that I talk about today. But so I was never afraid that God wasn't going to let me in. Um, so, um, you know, um, going to the meetings and learning about um, having, being able to have my feelings, <laughs> looking at what part everything was for me, uh, setting up boundaries with people, um, 
you know, all of that has helped me a lot. Um, I am uh, very different today than what I was 13 years ago. Um, you know, I like myself a lot better, uh, not to say that I don't have days that uh, I um, get judgmental about what I do and what I say. You know, I'm not perfect. Um, and um, I think during this time too, um, which is, I'm really sad about, I think my, my kids really suffered when I divorced my, their father, uh, even though that they were adults. Um, you know, I always think about that small kids are more affected, but I, I think it doesn't matter if you're little or if, you know, if you're an adult. That I think the same thing happened to me. I think I was very affected that my father wasn't in the house. Um, and I didn't get to see him. Um, actually, I had a better relationship with my father when once I came here to the United States, because we called one another and would just talk for an hour on the phone. Um, he's not with me anymore. He's gone. And um, so um, I think I am a little bit all over the place, but I'm actually going to be okay with that. Um, Yeah, Mike, you know, it's, I can say that I got help from a lot of people. And of course, the, the people that are the closest to me, which it's really my two kids. Um, my son, I think, had the hardest time with it. Um, he, I, I believe he was pulled between his father and me. And I, you know, try to tell him that it's, um, that I didn't want him to take sides. And my son lived here in Houston at the time. My daughter doesn't live here. She lives in Vermont. And during the first couple of years that I was committed to the program, I would go up uh, and see her quite a bit. And uh, we do a lot of my grieving there. Um, and I was always welcome to have my tears. Um, which is because I wasn't allowed to have tears as a child or even in my marriage. Um, my ex-husband always said that it was emotional blackmail um, when I would have my feelings around something. So um, it's, um, you know, sitting at my daughter's table and, and having all this stuff come up and I look at her and her husband and I said, I'm sorry that I'm I'm crying and they both look at me and say, where else are you going to cry, mom? And so um, having that support from my family, um, really wonderful. Um, eventually I had the support from my mother and sister too, uh, but it took a little longer. Um, so um, once I had done my steps, my uh, sponsor told me that I really needed to uh, make a, uh, a dating plan and start dating. Well, um, I had no intention of dating. Um, being married for 30 years, being together with my ex-husband for 35, having two grown children, no need to date. Um, you know, yeah, I could have 
a gentleman that would walk with me or have lunch with me sometime and talk. So, um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, I think when I had been in recovery, um, when I had been sober, and this is another thing I want to say that I didn't say earlier, uh, the man that I was so obsessed with, it took me once I started recovery the whole year to totally uh, let go of him. So I'm actually only sober 12 years, but been in the program 13 years. Um, and it came to a head. Uh, I had been stalking him for a long time. And every time I had stalked him, I would just, um, and didn't get what I wanted, I would just totally fall apart. And the last time it happened, I told myself that I can't do this anymore. And that was the last time I stalked him, the last time I saw him. And, um, but it took a whole year. That's how obsessed I was with this person uh, and wanting this person so much. So um, anyway, so, um, being in the program about, or being sober about two and a half years, um, we were a group of people that walked. And um, um, one of the men in my group um, that I walked with had, um, had um, just lost his wife. And I had been in meeting with him ever since I started, so I kind of knew his story, knew what was going on with him. I felt very safe with him. So um, we started walking together after meetings and having dinner together with other people too, but we also met for lunch um, every so often and would have lunch and go for a walk. Um, and um, he would, somebody that I felt like I could trust. Um, he was very gentle with me. Um, he would catch me when I would be not nice to myself and he would say, you're not being nice to yourself. Eva. So he would remind me because I could really get down on myself and, um, uh, be really ugly to myself. Um, so um he um so um we had been dating like i want to say four years i'm trying to think of the time um and um this man is extremely romantic and you know i am married to him today um, the most wonderful thing is that, um, I never thought I would marry him. We had talked about it probably a hundred times that we did not need to be married. He had been married twice, me once. Um, you know, we were just totally fine with where we were. So, um, we went out to dinner on, um, uh, and I love to tell this story because I just love it. We went out to dinner, um, on Valentine's day. Uh, one year, um, four years ago, and uh, 
as a dessert comes to the table and I'm about to take my spoon into the chocolate cake, he taps my spoon and he says, uh, I, want, I have a question to ask you. And so I kind of look at him and I say, okay, what? And so he looks at me and he says, uh, would you marry me? <clears throat> and I looked at him and I thought, this just didn't come out of his mouth. And uh, I said to him, I said, uh, did you just ask me to marry you? And he looked at me and he said, I'm not going to repeat my question. So, um, of course, I did say yes. Uh, we got married four years ago. <clears throat> it's the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, we talk about if we want to be sexual with one another. We talk about um, our feelings when they come up. We talk about if we've hurt the other person. We make amends. We say thank you. Um, and a, a big thing that we are kind of go-to thing today is when we start worrying about things, we say to one another, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Saying that really helps me to let go of what's going on. And, you know, these are things that I have learned in this program. You know, how to be kind, how to be gentle with myself, how to love myself, how to love my partner um, in a very special way. Um, I had to laugh at this. I had a conversation with my daughter uh, this morning and uh, um, I was telling her uh, that I was going to tell my story uh, today, and um, I said I am I am so nervous about it, and I had just shared with her um, about the thing that it's going to be okay, and she had shared something to me with me that I could tell her that well just tell yourself everything's going to be okay and it's going to be okay, and so when I told her I don't know how this is going to work out you know I said you know how I need to be perfect and I need to uh, I need for everybody to like what I'm saying of course I have no control over that but she started laughing and she says to me mom you know what you just told me she said it's gonna be okay so it's gonna be okay so um, I think that's about all I have. Um, I have a really good life today because um, I trust myself. Um, I have learned to say no to situations I don't want to be in. Um, just a little. Uh, the other day, I wanted to go up to the country by myself. And David says to me, why don't you wait and go up and come and go up with me on Thursday. This was like Monday. And usually I am so in tune to having other people tell me what to do. Um, and it takes taken me a long time to be okay with not always doing what other people want me to do. So I told him that I would think about it. And this is usually what we do when we're asked a question instead of giving the answer right away. I say, let me think about it. So I did go up on my own 
and I don't know if he was upset about it or not. Um, another thing that I have learned being in this relationship that it's okay for my partner to be mad at me. Uh, it's not okay for him to yell at me, but he can have his feelings around something that I do and then I'm okay with it. Um, so I think that's really all I have and I think my time is about up. Um, so thank you everybody for listening and um, yeah. Thank you for asking me, Elizabeth. Um, thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. That's it for this month's speaker meeting. Stay tuned to Sober Sisters Talk for next month's speaker. Thank you.